Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. I am your host, Mama Moines, aka Emily. And there's wow, there's a lot going on this week, you guys. It, it this is a jam-packed week. So uh for many of you that may not know, I started two businesses co-started two businesses with um with a couple of business partners completely unrelated business after i left my marriage and uh remember i was 50 and i was freaking out because i didn't know what i was going to do for a living i didn't know who was going to hire me i mean who's hiring 50 year olds i didn't think many companies were going to be hiring 50 year olds um, and so I decided that I wanted to actually, for the first time in my life, uh, follow my passion. And my passion had always been fashion and interior design and decorating and all that sort of stuff. So I had a very good friend of mine who was a realtor, a very successful realtor, might I add. And we had discussed um, being working for her as a stager. And so that really, that's sort of how it all started. Um, I just thought it was just naturally lined up with my passion. And we were just having a casual conversation one day, although I don't believe that this was coincidental because I do not believe in coincidences. So we're having a casual conversation and she was mentioning that her stager um, was uh, selling her business. And it literally just like, like a light bulb, went, a light bulb went off at that moment. It was almost like it was divine intervention. And then I thought, that's it. That's it. You just be a stager. You've got one of your best friends who's a realtor, um, who has just said that her stager is selling her business. And um, it really started from there. Now, ultimately, after many meetings with the person that was selling the staging business, I did decide that that was not the way I wanted to go. I wanted to just start fresh um, with my own business, my own inventory. I wanted everything to be current and fresh. And I just wanted to give a little bit more of an added value to, the, to my client uh, there's a lot of stagers out there and I needed to differentiate myself. So I decided that I wasn't going to be staging homes, but I was going to be styling homes. And really that sort of became the motto. We don't, you know, just stage your house, we style it. And when you're styling a home, you're adding lots of layers, blankets, throws, cushions, books, candles, just to warm it up. And I didn't want it to look staged. Um, and that really did, uh, you know, play out well because uh, we did we did very well. It's five years later, and I'm still in the staging business and love it. That is my passion. Absolutely love it. Um, There's a lot of hard work. Uh, it was, uh, and I didn't I wasn't didn't have any income, so I wasn't going to get loans from banks. So I literally um, just bootstrapped that whole business. Uh, invested my own money, put all the initial inventory on credit cards. And um, I asked a friend to partner up with me. And then we just uh, built our inventory. And then when we got a job, we would pay off, you know, the inventory, pay back the credit card for the inventory. And it took, 
I don't know. It took about maybe, I don't know, I'm going to say six months, maybe to a year to have the inventory, enough inventory that we could stage numerous homes and the inventory was all paid for. Um, and so it just is making money on itself. So um, that I did that. And then I also co-founded another business. It was at the fitness facility, which I just two weeks ago sold my shares in that business. Um, I'm completely out of it now. But again, you know, just worked super, super, super hard. It's phenomenally successful. Um, and that, you know, was a little bittersweet to let go of that business. I loved my clients. I loved my kids that came in to train. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just time to move on. And so here we are today. And the reason why it's been a crazy week and super busy, I have just ventured out into starting another business. And I don't know, you guys, I think it's just like, I feel like I need to keep busy. I feel like I, here's the thing. I think more than anything, what I've learned is when you see an opportunity, jump on it. Because there's so many people that have all these great ideas, right? You have all this great idea, you know, you want to, you know, start this or start that or, you know, God, if only, you know, how many times do we think this would be such a great idea and this would really fix the dilemma of whatever the dilemma is. Um, and you can come up with a solution for that dilemma. You've got, you've got a great business on your hands. So many people think of it and then they kick themselves later on when they see like, oh, I thought about that years ago, but somebody else is doing it. So if you have a phenomenal idea, if you see an opportunity, go for it. So the business that I'm starting out now, and I'm venturing out with my daughter on this business because it really is her passion. And her passion is like all my other kids, if you know my other two kids, uh, Blake and Cody, wildlife, animals, just saving the species of the world. Um, and she's no different. So she works um, with a breeder for a breeder here in town. And what's happened in the last two years since COVID is that the sale of um, dogs and more specifically the doodles because they don't shed, they're hypoallergenic have just skyrocketed. And there's a real lack of grooming uh, uh, groomers for the, that breed because that breed does need to groom. They, to be groomed, they mat very easily. And, um, and when I was, you know, reading about this, I thought, hmm, what an interesting idea. What if I, with my daughter, I mean, come on, let's like not kid ourselves here. She's going to be doing the grooming. I'm just the brains behind the idea. <laughs> what if she, you know, started a little grooming business? She works with them. She grooms her. She has a doodle. She grooms her own doodle. Um, and so make a long story short, um, you guys, you just have to do it. When you think of something, you just have to jump on it. Just do it. Make the decision and then go for it. That's basically what I did. So I had to talk to her about it. We are both taking a course. Yes, I'm back in school taking a course. 
Um, I just want to have a certification on the wall. I want my clients to know that they are coming to a location that knows what they're doing, that they took the time and that they are certified. So we're working on doing a course right now. And um, the building in which we will be housing a little grooming business is in the process right now of being built. Um, so that being said, busy with the course, busy with figuring out how to run this business. And that's another thing I'm going to tell you, especially with the fitness facility. I mean, literally it was just, we just winged it. None of us really knew what we were doing. We just, everyone just had the passion behind the business. And when you have the passion behind the business, and you're not even really that concerned about making money as much as you are about making your customer happy and putting out a really good service. I just feel that when you go into it with that mindset, you're bound to succeed. And so with this new business, I don't know anything about the grooming business, the pet grooming business, been doing lots of research, been doing lots of reading, and now fully embarked on this course. Uh, I do know that my daughter is super passionate about um, that, you know, working with animals and more specifically with, with dogs and more specifically that breed. Um, and so when you've got passion behind uh, your business, it's not about the money. The money, I think, just follows naturally. And so that's what we're working on right now. So I would, would encourage you all if you're thinking about it. But what's stopping you is, I don't know anything about running a business. Or I don't know, I don't even know where to start. Just start. Seriously, just start. And then get help. Like talk to um, an accountant if you don't know about the back end of the business and the you know, profit loss reports and talk to an accountant, talk to somebody who's already in the business, whatever it may be, How, you know, get a mentor, um, but don't let it stop you. If you don't think you don't have it within you to start something, a lot of people that start very successful businesses started out the exact same way, really not having a fucking clue, just winging it, working hard, working your ass off, you know, being dedicated, sacrificing, compromising. And what can grow out of that is something that you love and something that, you know, you don't mind getting up in the morning and going to work, which is going to lead me into uh, today's podcast. So I had put out a couple of weeks ago on the Instagram page, get real with Mama Moines, please DM me any questions or things that you want to talk about. And so today I am going to answer some of the listeners questions. And that first question um, that I was going to answer today sort of, sort of, this is sort of like a segue into that question, because the question is, I'm 27 years old, and I hate my job. But my parents would kill me if I left any advice. Well, well, first of all, I don't want your parents getting on my bad side. <laughs> but what I can say is, um, uh, I kind of had similar problem or a similar, a similar experience with my second child. And I've talked about this on the podcast before he was set out to go um, to veterinarian school 
and he spent five years in university and he did graduate with honors all while all while playing football, by the way, which is in, in itself a very hard thing to do. Um, and he wrote his MCATs and he really wanted to go to veterinarian school. And then somewhere along that the road, he decided that it wasn't for him and he wasn't going to go to vet school. And what he wanted to do really, his passion was to become a pilot. Well, as a parent, it was like <clears throat> taking a bullet. <laughs> what? No, you need to be a doctor. That's what, you know, that's, that's the vision I had for you. And you'd be so good as a vet. And ultimately, um, he didn't go to vet school. He is a pilot and he is obsessed with flying. Um, and it's so hard as parents because we have these dreams for our kids. And what I would say to your parents is, I know we have these dreams for our kids, but it's their life. And if, and if you are waking up every morning and you hate going to work and he or she, she didn't say what she did for a living, but I don't know if she's going into a cubicle every freaking day and she's enclosed in those walls. I mean, I don't know what her job is. It doesn't really matter. And she is resentful every morning and it sucks the joy out of her to go to work. And perhaps she does have a passion for something else. She didn't say what that was. You know, it's your life. It's your life. Live it once. There's so many people. Sorry, you only get to live it once. But there's so many people that are doing jobs that they hate just to, you know, appease other people or to keep up with a facade or to buy things that don't really fucking matter. You know, I just think that it's such a waste of a, of, of a gift that you've been given. And I would much rather be making less money in a job that I loved and spending a day, an entire day doing something that was purposeful and that meant something to me than making a ton of money where I was resentful and begrudged going to work every single day. And so I would say to you, um, it's your life. I don't, I mean, I certainly don't want to give you advice that's going to uh, cause, you know, um, angst with your parents, but maybe if you could just have a conversation with them and let them know how unhappy you are doing this job, let them know how unfulfilled you feel. Let them know how you know you don't feel like you are serving your purpose. Um, again, you know, I really am such a proponent of, um, I mean, we all need money to live, right? I mean, let's, let's, you know, let's just call a spade a spade here, okay? We need money. We have to work. We need money to live. But money was, for me, was never my motivating factor. I always had and made just enough money. I worked for L'Oreal. I loved my job. My, you know, my meetings were in Paris. I wasn't making a ton of money. I was making enough money. I, I started that job when I was 21. And I think I had that job until I was 40. And I wasn't ever making a shit ton of money, but I had kids and the flexibility that that job provided was in itself was just worth it. 
Um, it was fun. It was girly. It was makeup. It was going to Paris to meetings. I wasn't going to be filthy rich off that job, but it was so satisfying. It was rewarding. It was fun. I didn't even really know when that paycheck was coming. I knew it hit my bank eventually, but I was just enjoying it so much. It did not feel like work. And so if I had to give you any advice, that's what it would be. Really, what are you passionate about? What would you love to do that you don't even really care? Not care, but I mean, you know, you just, money's not the motivating factor. And I'm sorry, parents out there that you have kids that are lawyers or doctors or whatever, and it's filling your ego. If it's not filling theirs, it's their life. You know, that's all I got to say about that. Um, oh my God, back to Gabby Petito. What do you think of the Gabby Petito case? Okay, so I've been talking a lot about Gabby Petito and I am dumbfounded at this point. I don't even know what to say anymore. I, it is puzzling, it is perplexing, it is mind boggling to me what is happening in the case. I mean, generally, the longer an investigation goes on, the more answers you get. In this case, I really feel like the longer the investigation goes on, not the more answers we have, but the more questions we have. And so as of, I think yesterday, are you kidding me? The police department, <laughs> I'm sorry, it just is mind boggling. They mistakenly took the mother, Roberta Laundry, for Brian Laundry. So apparently the police had surveillance on Brian Laundry. And when that black Mustang came back from where he had been camping, they thought it was Brian Laundrie getting out of the car and walking into the house. And it was actually, in fact, Roberta Laundrie. Like, what? What? How do you mistake that? He's bald and bearded. You guys, I, it is beyond. It is beyond. The way this case has been bumbled is just beyond the fact now that the fact now that also that there is no DNA, they, they don't have a DNA confirmation um, with the remains that were found. The only thing they have have is dental records and that's how they're confirming it was Brian, but the dentist happens to be Brian's uncle that is confirming the dental records. It just all smells so fishy. And I'm sorry, I don't have, I don't have any more answers. I feel so bad for the Gabby Petito family. It reminds me, this case reminds me so much of, do you remember um, Holloway? Natalie, I think it was Natalie. Natalie Holloway, who was, went missing in Bahamas or Aruba? I think it was Aruba. And do you remember Yaron's family, his parents? exact same scenario uncooperative did not did not cooperate with the police did not get um holloway's mom flew to aruba to speak to the family they did have they had nothing to say they didn't want to talk to her they were totally uncooperative they lawyered up almost immediately and what happened with that case he actually ended up killing someone else stephanie i can't remember her last name um, anyway, it's just, there's just eerily similar, um, uh, just similar 
in, in terms of how the families, Brian Landry's family and Euron's family, how they are behaving in this whole um, in this whole investigation. So that in itself too is like, I just smell something fishy and I cannot put my finger on it. So the longer it goes on, the more questions I have, not the more answers. So there you go. That's how I feel about what's happening with the Gabby Petito case. Something's just not right. Um, hey, Mama Moines, I'm 19, week, 19 weeks pregnant. Do you have any pregnancy advice for me? Uh, yes. So enjoy your pregnancy. I know that not everybody enjoys being pregnant. I loved being pregnant. I loved all three of my pregnancies. I overindulged. So maybe that I would say still, you know, be careful, eat healthy. I completely overindulged you guys. I gained 60 pounds for each child. Ridiculous by today's standards. Um, so indulge, but don't overindulge get lots of rest, enjoy those pregnancies. I remember missing being pregnant um, after my third child, um, get lots of rest, eat healthy food, and just get out, get some exercise. Even if it's just a walk, just stay healthy. But most importantly, honestly, enjoy that pregnancy. I just, it's, it's, it's fascinating. When you first feel that baby kicking inside your belly, it is just fascinating. It really is. Like the whole process of creating a little human being is it's a miracle. So yeah, enjoy, indulge, not too much. Get lots of rest, eat healthy food, and good luck. Such an exciting time. Um, how did you ever survive living together for nine months while you were going through a divorce? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. Okay. That was tough. It was really, 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 really hard. Um, I was hell bent on not leaving that house. Uh, I had left numerous occasions um, when we had broken up and gotten back together. For those of you that don't know, I lived the longest emotional roller coaster ride of my life playing the breakup and makeup game in my marriage. Um, it was really, really hard. I think really what I really tried to do at you know, is I, I really honestly just try to ignore, 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 ignore the behavior. And some days were harder than others. Um, there was all kinds of crazy that was happening while we were living together. You know, internet, internet router would be missing. That was really the only way I had to communicate um, with my lawyer was through emails. Internet router would go missing two, three, four times. I think during that nine months, it just kept, I just kept replacing it. I just kept replacing it, just kept replacing it. Um, the, the phone was cut off. The, the, um, gas was cut off. The heat was cut off, um, because he would go off to our Florida home in the winter and then cut off all the utilities. Honestly, it would piss me off so much. And I would think, are you kidding me? But at, at the end of the day, and I got this advice from my lawyer, just stay composed and just ignore it. If it gets cut off, you know, get it rehooked. And the only problem with that was that it was nothing was in my name. So I had to really struggle a lot and I had to get, um, you know, like higher ups involved. But I really, for the most part, just ignored the behavior. Like it didn't really bother me, went about my day, 
did my stuff. I, I, I put a lock on my bedroom door. I do remember that. So I tried to avoid being in um, the same room as much as possible. My kids were in university. I think Blake was home for a little bit of it. He was in the basement, living in the basement. But um, so my kids were away. So it wasn't like I had little kids and I had to be in the same space. Um, but I just tried to avoid being in the same space, not being in the kitchen when I heard him in the kitchen and just doing my thing and being out as much as possible. I would go, I spent a lot of time um, with my friends. I spent, um, oh, that was the year I got in the best shape of my life. I went to the gym <laughs> all the time. I went to the gym um, and just really tried to avoid being in the same space and ignored it. Like just, if he ate my sub that was in my fridge, okay, you're a jerk, but whatever, you ate my sub. Just ignore it, ignore the behavior. This is the time to turn a blind eye. You've already filed for divorce. You know you're going to be separated at some time. You know it's going to be finalized at some time. Turn a blind eye to it. Turn the other cheek and go on about your business. That's what I have to say to that. That's what I did. That's what got me through it. There was days that I was like beyond aggravated, but I would just go about my business. And sometimes I felt like when I didn't have any reaction to the idiocy, that was happening when I didn't have that reaction. It was just so much easier um, because I didn't get the, uh, I didn't get, um, it was almost like if I was ignoring it, then it gave him less uh, ammunition or less um, desire to piss me off. Okay. Um, what else do we have here? How did you, oh, how did you survive financially? I know that you didn't have a job for many years in your marriage. Okay, so how did I survive financially? Okay, so my lawyer, um, as soon as I went to my lawyer and um, filed for divorce, she, my lawyer worked on what's called emergency spousal support. Uh, and it came rather quickly, like I think it was a month. So while I was still living in the house with him, um, um, I did have uh, spousal support. Um, I knew that would be cut off as soon as the house was sold, but I did have spousal support. I mean, which really wasn't, you know, um, helpful to me because the spousal support basically all went right back to the lawyers. Um, but I did have spousal support. And then I knew that once the house was sold, um, that I would, the spousal support was going to be cut off. But I also had her um, go for temporary exclusive possession of the home, which I did get. It took nine months to get that. So for those, um, so then it took nine months to get the, um, to get him out of the house. And then I was in the house for two years. So while I was in the house on my own for two years, I was devising a plan of what I was going to do to support myself. Um, and that's when I started thinking about starting my business and got the ball rolling. And so when it came to actually selling the house and leaving and the, and the support was going to be cut off because I took a lump, lump payment um, just so I could buy my own house, I was already set up in a business. And so I had some income coming in from my staging business. And I also... <clears throat> um, was part of a uh, fitness facility. So I had some income coming in from there. Now, also, you guys, I had written a book 
I wasn't getting income from the book yet, but um, I had three income streams at the time. And that, even if it was a little bit, every little bit helped. So even today, I have income stream coming in from my book, which is not you know a ton, but it, it does help. I wrote the book five years ago. So I've got income stream from my book. I've got income stream from my staging business. Um, and I had income stream from the fitness facility. Now I've given that up, but I'm starting a, another company. So when you have income streams from, um, you know, different, uh, different avenues, even though it's a little bit, everything helps. So I started, uh, when I was getting support, um, that was the time that I started putting the action plan into place as to what I was going to do with my life going forward. And that is when I did um, take courses, took a staging course, was certified, started those businesses. And then by the time I was completely out on my own and the support was cut off, I was, um, you know, self-sufficient enough that I could be out on my own and pay all my bills. So that's what I did there. Um, so do whatever you can, you know, even if you have to take something part-time or even if the job is beneath you, just do whatever you can, um, to get you through and, to, and work on, like it's, it's hard work. I worked 18 hours a day, you guys. I was writing my book. I was starting two businesses. It was insane. I had no time for family, for friends, for dating, for nothing, but that's what I had to do. So if you have to do that and you want it bad enough, then that's what you have to do and it'll pay off. Um, okay. Mama Moines, everyone calls me Mama Moines. I'm not open. Mama Moines, I love your style. I'm 56 years old, but I feel like I will never be able to pull it off. Okay, well, I don't know why you're saying that because my style is not something that I would think that you would, like, why would you not be able to pull it off? It's not like I'm wearing mini skirts or anything like that. So um, maybe what you meant is that you maybe have a hard time putting outfits together, but I am 55 years old and I love fashion and I love clothes. But my style is really, it's a little bit of like trendy, but also like I have a lot of um, just classic pieces in my closet, but I have a lot of like what I call essentials. And so if you have essentials in your closet, like a white tee, you know, a blazer, jeans, uh, but also, you know, a trouser, you can mix and match everything. My style really is comfortable um, and trendy but not overly dressy. Like I really like um, just a casual look. My favorite look is jeans and a tee. Wear ball caps a lot. You might see me a lot in ball caps or a fedora. That's usually because my gray hairs need to be touched up. You'll know if I'm wearing a hat or a fedora, I gotta touch up the gray hairs, but it's also cute. So um, I'm very, I am conscious of age appropriate outfits. And I'm not saying that, listen, you do you. If you are in your fifties and you've got, a, you know, a, a pair of great legs, which I do not, by the way, and you can pull off that mini skirt and it makes you feel good. Or you want to bear a little bit of that belly at 50. Do you, you do you. I have, um, I have a style that is, uh, I just want to feel comfortable in my clothes and I think you can be sexy without showing a lot of skin. Um, I really do. So I, I try to be, you know, trendy, 
um, cute, sexy, uh, without, but still a little bit modest, if that makes sense. Um, and so just stick to pieces that you can, that you feel comfortable in. Cause when you feel comfortable in your clothes, it's going to show, it's going to exude in how you carry yourself. So I do love fashion. I do love clothes. Um, flip through some magazines and get some ideas. You can even Google, you know, fashion for 50. I think you said you're 56. Fashion for a 56 year old, trendy, you know, current fashion for 56 year old. Just have fun with it, play with it. And if you feel comfortable, then that really, that's all that matters. I, I, I like the underdone look. Um, I'm sort of more of a minimalist when it comes to makeup or hair. Like with my hair, all I ever do ever is I put in my natural color. I have to touch up the gray roots. I very rarely get it highlighted or low lighted or fuss with it. I don't really fuss with it that much. And I don't really fuss a lot with my makeup and my clothes is very, um, yeah, it's not like, it's not over the top. Like you're not going to see me a lot in like a pair of stilettos or um, really dressed up. I'm more of a casual sort of look. Hope that helps. Um, Mama Moines, you need to drop the skincare routine. <laughs> okay. So the skincare routine, again, really minimal. Um, I worked for L'Oreal for 20 some years. So the most important thing about the skincare is uh, the sun. I think I've said this before, stay out of the sun as much as possible. I didn't do that in my teens. I now have, I'm very prone to melasma, brown spots, pregnancy mask, it's called on my skin. So once I'm out in the sun, boom, out they come. So really, honestly, you guys, sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. And you can get sunscreen now that is, you know, paraben free and is natural and doesn't have all those chemicals. So wear your sunscreen, um, moisturize your face day and night. Make sure that you are cleansing your face, especially in the evening. You want to get all that oil, dirt, debris from the day off your skin. Um, I also do a scrub probably once a week just to slough off all those dead skin cells. Um, and you know what I've been doing lately that I love? Like, love. And I don't know if it's an age thing as I get older. I, I'm getting a lot more peach fuzz on my face. I have started planing. I think it's called planing. It's like shaving your face. It's like a razor, really, kind of. Um, but it's, uh, it's planing your face. You guys, when you plane and get all that peach fuzz off your skin, your makeup goes on beautifully. It is like butter. It really is. So try, try planing. Um, and I got them on Amazon. I just Googled, uh, face planing your face, or I can't remember what I Googled, but I found them and it's like a long, it looks like a long, like a comb with like a little blade at the end. And that makes a massive difference in how your foundation goes on your skin. So I would do that. So cleanse, moisturize, sunscreen, use a scrub just to get off all the dead skin cells. And then I've been doing planing um, just to give a really soft, um, yeah. Oh, you know what else I do? Um, Sonic, what's that called? Oh my God, Emily, Clarisonic. Clarisonic, it's that 
it's got a brush on the end and it's such a great exfoliator. I do that in the shower, actually. Um, Clarisonic, I've been using that. I do that sometimes I'll interchange that with the scrub. Again, it just sloughs off all the sur surface uh, skin cells and um, I love the feeling of that too. So that's really all I do. I'm not, I don't spend a ton of money on my skincare. I used to, you don't have to. Um, and I do visit a dermatologist um, every now and then. But let's be honest, the dermatologist is more for my Botox than it is skincare. Um, what else do I have here? Oh, how do you, how did you stay connected to your kids? I have such a great sense of guilt after my divorce. Okay. So with my kids, that was really hard too. So I've been married twice. So their dad, my first husband is the father of all three of my kids. And we really made a conscious effort to put the kids first. My first divorce and my second divorce are so vastly, vastly different. It's really, it's just, it's stupid. My first divorce as divorces go was relatively painless. Um, we really did put the kids at the forefront and we moved into two separate homes around the corner from each other. So if you can put your kids first, always think about the kids. Yeah, there is days that I wanted to stab my ex in between the eyes. I'm going to be honest. Yes, there were. But you put your kids first, always. So when we decided to make that move where the kids had access to both parents at all times, it made it really easier on the kids. They literally would just, if they forgot something at my house, they'd get on their bike and come over and pick it up. If they forgot something at dad's house, they would just call dad and go over and get it. Um, they would often go back and forth. Like I remember them calling me and going, okay, dad made pork chops again, mom, what are you having? And so I'd be like, come on over. So honestly, just put the kids first, always think of them first, limit how much they see the arguments between the two of you. Um, also what we both did, well, I know I did, I can't speak for him. I'm sure he did, but when I had the kids, so we did week on week off. And when I had the kids, it was all about the kids always the first five years until I, um, introduced them to my second husband, the first five years after that divorce, they never once ever heard about me dating, going out on dates seeing me go out on dates. When I had them, I was with them. It was all about them. I had a whole week to myself when they were with their dad. And so if I can, if you do have week on week off, or if you have, you know, every other weekend, whatever the custody is that you've arranged, when you have them in your custody, you make sure that your time is all about them. Listen, they've already got their time subdivided with, with mom and dad. You don't want to now subdivide it again with mom, dad, and the new person in your life. If you can do that um, and wait until you introduce them to someone that you know is going to be in your life, uh, I think that really was great too. There was never, ever, ever any you know issues ever with me. Um, when I had my kids, I just, I try to plan all my events, all my outings, all my girls' nights, all my whatevers around the kids. And hey, listen, if there was a girls' night happening that week, then I'm just not going to go. I just didn't go. Um, and it just was, everything was about the kids. I remember we went to a hockey tournament in the States as a 
not as a family, we were already divorced, but we both went, he went, I went. And, um, and I remember we went in the same car, like to the airport. Um, and then I had my own room and he had his own room. And I think a couple of the kids stayed with me, a couple, you know, one stayed with him. I can't remember all three kids went. Um, but uh, yeah, just try and make it about the kids and, um, and they'll get it. They will. And don't ever talk badly if you can about the other parent. Try and refrain from doing that. Um, don't, don't talk bad about the other parent if you can avoid it in front of the kids. And just try and co-parent the best that you can. That's what we did. And I mean, it was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I remember telling the kids we were getting divorced and there was a lot of tears shed. Um, but then after that, we really did try and put them first always. And it's not easy. There's times that it is hard and it is heartbreaking and divorce sucks, no matter how you look at it, but um, put them at the forefront, make sure that your time with them is your time with them and um you know and hope for the best okay i think that's it um i think that's it i have uh, oh there's some questions here that are so redundant i feel like i've talked about them already so much on other podcasts so i'm going to cut it off now you guys i hope that you all have an amazing day be kind to one another um yeah today's this week has been uh has been an emotional uh roller coaster so just be kind to one another surround yourself with like-minded people um for all the women out there um uh that message me constantly about you're having you're going through a really hard time in your divorce or your relationship i feel for you i freaking hear you i see you get yourself a little tribe a little tribe a little tribe that supports you um that holds you up um that is there to comfort you someone that you can laugh with and cry with i did that i had friends that were amazing during my time where i was at the lowest like my lowest so um find your little tribe and you're not alone you guys, you are not alone and it does get better. I promise. Have a great day. Thanks for joining me today on Get Real with Mama Moint. And I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. Bye.